But I think for most of the audience here, just looking at the click-through rate, right, a measurement of how many people see your ad versus how many people actually click, right? Because if everything's good in your image and your and your price and everything looks good, then they're going to want to click. But so if that sharply decreases, or if your conversion rate start, sharply decreases, you know, look at your ad, look at your product, look at competitions, and see what 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 can be changed there. Using that data, the click-through rate, conversion rate, to uh, to your benefit is is really really important. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Kurt Prosser of Easton Digital gives us a primer on the state of Google ads and what to expect from the platform in the coming year or years. What you want to see in an agency is that they are willing to attach their overall well-being to the well-being of their clients. In tangible terms, they use a percent sharing system and offer some of the most up-to-date methods to stay on top of some of the most competitive markets out there. Kurt Prosser, it is good to have you here in Ecomonics. Uh, it's good to see you. I, I'm loving the uh, the background tiles you got there. Uh, very <laughs> intricate. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing? How are you feeling today? Good, good. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Really excited to, to speak to you and your audience and uh, talk about Google Shopping. Terrific. Well, uh, that is going to be question two. But question okay. one <laughs> is our uh, Ecomonics tradition, uh, which is uh, tell us who you are and what do you do, which actually I guess you may end up saying that about Google Shopping anyways, but let's let's go for it. No, no, thanks. Uh, so, so my name is Kurt Prosser. So I uh, specialize in helping small to mid-sized e-commerce stores, particularly Shopify stores, grow with Google Shopping. So that's really my sort of core. Uh, we have an agency called Easton Digital. We have uh, 10 team members that work, like I said, specifically with small to mid-sized Shopify stores. Uh, and But I also have my own Amazon private label brand. So I've been doing that since 2015 and um, been growing those uh, since then. And so so sort of a, almost tried to almost do an Euro dog food scenario um, and, help, and sort of grow my own e-commerce stores. But ended up, you know, Amazon private label brands just sort of took off and that's growing like crazy. So <laughs> really crazy. But so, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Perfect. Well, you know, uh, I, I've heard and this is, by the way, this is something that even I'm doing myself is that. At the very, very worst, we can set up these own projects for ourselves as a learning uh, mechanism, so a testing yeah. mechanism, something that we can use to then apply uh, our knowledge to the people that we work with. Right. And and that actually has helped me quite a bit. I mean, really, when I started uh, East Digital, it was really focused on that like, small to mid-sized e-commerce store. But then I had a client reach out to me and say, hey, I'd like you to help me sort of launch our, our own e-commerce store, ledlightbulbs.com. And so we launched it, we grew it. Um, I ended up leaving to do the uh, the private label Amazon product and focus exclusively on or focus on more on Eastern Digital. Uh, but it learned a lot. I mean, really diving into all aspects of e-commerce and all aspects of just trying to grow an e-commerce business really uh, taught me personally a lot about just some of the challenges that small, you know, Shopify stores face, but also really, you know, how to focus on what's important to really help them grow. And uh, and they're you know sort of rolled that into uh, Easton Digital, uh, but then also rolled it into my own uh, Amazon or e-commerce brand, which is why we focus exclusively on Amazon Private Label because I just didn't want to do all the shipping and do all that stuff myself, and wanted to let Amazon take care. Of it. Because again, Easton Digital is my primary thing here, so um, it was a little bit easier to focus on what's the most important, and then let the rest take care of itself. Yeah, I'm finding that whether it's a, as Amazon private label or using one of the uh, the dropshipping services, I've talked to a bunch of them lately. I talked to uh, Yakify, uh, who I'm leaning towards uh, greatly so much so that I signed up and I'm already working with them. So I don't know why I said leaning towards. I talked to uh, Wio. And having those interim companies is personally, in my opinion, pretty pivotal to being able to compete, ironically, with Amazon. But at least yeah. it, it gives people a lot of that extra, a, a lot of energy that they can use focusing on their marketing and not have to worry so much about uh, spending their energy on like even getting to the point where they're physically putting the inserts uh, into their own packaging. Right. Well, yeah. And, and that goes back to the challenge of small to mid-sized Shopify owners. I mean, they're wearing so many hats. There's so many things to do in the e-commerce business. There's just, uh, you know, a, there's a limited number of things you can do. And so to really allow you to focus on the real important levers 
of your of your business. I mean, that's that's you know, if you really focus on those skills or what's most important, um, and and sort of outsource or free up the rest. I mean, that's that can allow you to grow so fast. Um, I mean, even for us, for our, our Amazon business, I mean, what we were really good at was finding manufacturers in China and doing a little bit of product redevelopment to make it work for the private label market. And, uh, but all the fulfillment, all logistics, customers, all this stuff is just like, we didn't want to try to grow that. And so, I mean, and it scaled so quickly and it's sort of, and it can scale up or down depending on inventory. So it's really worked out well, worked out very, very well. So in fact, I think over this year, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, I, uh, last, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I might um, uh, I might chamber it to, just to ask you kind of like how you started up doing the uh, Amazon private label, but we can get to that. Yeah, yeah, no. So um, really, in, I mean, in terms of starting up, I mean, we like I said, it, I had a client that came to me from uh, that wanted to start LEDLightbulbs.com, and so we started LEDLightbulbs.com, and we were running that. And at the time, you know, there's a lot of competitive forces between G and Philips and Sylvania, but Chinese manufacturers started reaching out to us and saying, "Hey, look, we've got our own." version of this light bulb would you be interested in selling this and so that's what we started doing i said okay well great you've got this price of light bulb and and the chinese government of course subsidized that quite a bit so it was a very very low compared to that g and phillips and sylvania light bulb so so great well, i'm just going to put our private label brand on it and throw it out there and uh, my business partner on the uh, amazon private label side he he's chinese so he does all of the you know, manufacturing negotiations, all the, you know, all the inventory and all the coordination back and forth with them. So that's helped a lot, but that's, again, that's probably like 25 to, you know, 25% of my time. Uh, but it's just, a, again, it just, I feel like it sort of helps me learn a little bit more about e-commerce and helps me sort of see all aspects of e-commerce. So it gives me that well-rounded, um, education of e-commerce so it's helped out quite a bit mm-hmm. and uh there's there's people who have a punch card right now where if i talk about how this show has helped me uh more than eight times they get a coffee so there's a few people who are about to cash in on a coffee which is like just being able to do content like this has just been like the the amount of information that i've absorbed um is there's there's stuff like six months ago that is just sinking in today and it, it really just changes a view of you know what what we're capable of and what we can do to change a lot of people's lives uh, sometimes in a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, we know we want to talk about uh, Google Shopping today, and I, 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 what I tend to do is just to make sure that I don't like retread familiar territory. Is uh, I'll, I'll go through the backlog and just see, okay, have I had this conversation before? For forgiving me, uh, audience, but I'm talking to a lot of people, I'm doing my best to retain everything. It is it, it's 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 legitimately getting harder and harder as time goes on, but I'm doing my best here. And so we did talk to Marco Rodriguez. Um, so that would be a good episode to check out as well for reference material as to uh, some of what's going on in Google Shopping. Um, so, Kurt, the question I pose to you is more of a state of Google Shopping as it, it is now. Maybe what are some of the major developments that have happened over the course of maybe the last six months? And um, what are the main, I guess, uh, appeals to getting into Google Shopping today? Yeah, no, that, that's a great, great place to start because there has been a lot, a lot of changes in Google Shopping. And, um, you know, it's especially for the small to midsize uh, e-commerce store, you know, Shopify store owner, because there's so many, so many resources, so much information out there, so many different strategies that you can use for Google Shopping. Um, but I think the, the, to, to get the, your, sort of the root of your question there, I mean, what I think has really changed over the past six months is uh, these smart campaigns and particularly how the smart campaigns perform with some of the more traditional keyword targeted manual campaigns. Okay. Um, now for those that, you know, maybe don't know much about Google shopping and Google shopping by default, just use your product titles and shows your ads for everything that's relevant. And it's, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of keyword targeting that goes on in terms of old sort of text ads where you can target specific keywords and show an ad. However, there are sort of more advanced strategies um, where you can use those sort of keywords and like negative keywords and it's too technical to go in here, but there are some advanced strategies that you can use. But what we've seen though, to your, again, back to your question, what we've seen is some of the smart campaigns have... Um, I'd say uh, started competing more aggressively with those uh, keyword targeted advanced strategy campaigns. Okay, so uh, not to get too technical, but I think it's it's important. I think you know for the last six months, more and more agencies like us have started 
using multiple strategies in their Google Shopping account. So they'll have a data feed that's for like a smart campaign, and then they'll have a duplicate data feed for a keyword targeted manual campaign. So um, not to ramble on too much here, but I'll give you an example. So like, let's say you sell a vintage LED light bulb and you want to show for that, right? Google uses your title and says, okay, well, I'm going to determine if this ad is relevant to what the person searching for. And that's fine. That's, that's a good, uh, but, uh, so your title could be vintage LED light bulb and you, and you target and, and you have a manual keyword targeted Google shopping campaign that, that shows your ad, your Google shopping ad for vintage LED light bulb. But let's say that same product you wanted to start showing for like, like, I don't know, like retro, like lighting or vintage lighting ideas or vintage uh, light bulbs or some other terms. What you can do now is take a duplicate of that product in your feed. Okay. You can just, you know, it's, you only have one product on your website, but you can create a duplicate in your feed, link back to the same mm -hmm. product. And then now use some of those smart campaigns to go after more top of funnel, more, um, you know, top of funnel, mid funnel type keywords to get more traffic up there that you otherwise wouldn't have. So it's sort of a, a two pronged approach. So one thing yeah. I just wanted to clarify is when you say that it's linked to the different uh, products is that it's linking to basically it would go to one product page. Um, yeah. Se. Yeah, one product page. So you can have one product in your website, but the point is you can create multiple products in your data feed to, to go after different keywords, right? That Google, because again, Google uses the product title in your data feed to determine it's relevant. So you can create different products in your data feed and then use different campaign strategies for each one of those to go after different points in the funnel. So again, I, I don't mean to get too technical, here, uh, but but the but the point is, is if you are just running a one smart campaign, or you are just running one default sort of manual Google Shopping campaign, I highly recommend checking out sort of duplicate product IDs and duplicate feeds to run multiple campaign strategies. That that has we've seen a lot a lot of increase in traffic from those and increase in sales because you can now go after sort of different points in the funnel and um, and use something like a smart campaign to cast a wide net and go after lots of traffic at very low cost per click, but then use something like a manual keyword targeted campaign to go after very expensive sort of bottom of funnel, very targeted keywords. So, um, you know, so, so hopefully that answers your question. So I think that's the biggest change is that uh, you know, as Google's rolled out some of these campaign strategies, more and more agents like us are testing multiple different campaign strategies at the same time to get to better target specific uh, points in the funnel. So hopefully that that helps. It helps quite a bit. I'm certainly putting some pieces together. So based off um, some of my own understanding prior to is that a, a lot of marketing is uh, centered around the top of funnel uh, because yeah. the idea is if I'm going to put out an advertisement, I need to cast as a wide of a net as possible in order to get the best ROI. So then that way, then from there, they head over to my website and that's where they get closer to the funnel and eventually they convert and then ideally reconvert and then we get into remarketing. Uh, and that's all well and good, but that is what we learn. Uh, and this is especially because I'm taught a lot on Facebook marketing is that we are spending money just to get the data so that we know who to target. So that first wave of, of advertising is actually just continued testing. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. That's a good, good point. So yes, um, especially with some of the smart campaigns, so especially as you think, you know, really over the last six months, like, like how am I, how are you going to use Google shopping to drive profitable sales your store? And how are you going to use Google shopping to really grow long-term using that smart campaign and going after top of funnel? Yeah, you are sort of, you know, testing and trying to learn what, you know, what search terms and search queries actually work for you and, and let Google's algorithm sort of warm up and start finding those profitable customers. But, but even before you do that, like if you, if you're someone, if someone in your audience is just getting started at Google shop and say, what's the right way to get started or how should I start? You can still use those keyword targeted campaigns to target bottom of funnel terms. So let's say that you were using, you're selling a Garrett metal detector, like a Garrett model, something metal detector. You can set up in your data feed, Garrett model, whatever, whatever, metal detector. And then you can create a manual keyword targeted campaign that just goes after and just focus your ad spend on 
Garrett metal, Garrett model, whatever metal detector. So that's that. So you can start at that very specific. I mean, you can start five, 10, you know, 20 bucks a day and just target those very specific terms. Okay. So you don't have to learn now at your point, as you start growing and as you say, look, you want to start really ramping up and growing. Now you have to go up more towards the top of funnel, mid funnel, try to get some of those people that may just be looking for like metal detector or may just be looking for like outdoor hobbies, right. Or, or, or best metal detector for beginners, right? You can sort of, you know, at that point, that stage in the funnel, they don't care about the Garrett metal detector. So you can have another product ID in your data feed that goes after like, you know, um, best, me- I mean, I don't know if you, you know, best metal detector for new beginners, you know, you can go after that top of funnel and then learn the, you know, see what the data is, learn the data, use your remarketing, use your Facebook retargeting to move them down the funnel. Um, and then, and, you know, and you'll hopefully get them to come back and buy. You know, it's just, uh, it's just funny you bring out metal detectors because, um, some of my relatives, they had some precious jewelry and they hid it in a satchel, uh, underneath the tiles between the, the basement and the, and the main floor, and they can figure out where, where it is. And so, so we, so the, we were looking like into metal detectors to see if we can like s- scan our, our, our home just to try to, uh, to catch some of it. And the salesperson says, well, you realize that your house is like full of metal, right? And so just, <laughs> it's just going to go up constantly. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So you make, you make a great point about using the, and you have to excuse me if I kind of like uh, stumble over uh, some of the terminology, um, the, so we'll just say the, the keyword specific targeting. Um, what we're doing is we're trying to curate our advertising to reach uh, what I would say are probably some of the more passionate customers, the people who would naturally have a better ROI because these are people who are more enthusiastic about a product. They're doing their research. Um, if you uh, convert uh, these people, they, they become assets. They become part of your social proof net. So, so that's where if I'm going to put that kind of money into getting anybody, I would want to get the people who are going to be a better investment uh, from that point and then start to build that base. And then we learn a little bit more about these people, um, which is something I'm going to ask you about just as soon as I'm done this uh, 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 this diatribe here, which is what we learn from them is, is going to help us then target uh, people on, a, uh, on, the, on the higher parts of the funnel. So if we can use a metal detector as an analogy, I'm, 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 I'm down for that. But what can we learn from some of the people that we uh, target uh, on, in the most specific setting? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, Thank you. I think... You think, yeah, that's a good question because that, because that goes back to, you know, especially if you're just getting started with Google shopping, like you want to be able to learn and see what the data tells you and say, okay, well, what's, what, what can I then start expanding and growing? So, um, I think there's a couple different, there's probably two primary areas of learning that can occur. Okay. One is from the customer side of things and like, you know, customer demographics, customer type, what their problems are, what they value. And, you know, that's a little bit harder to, to sort of put exact numbers around. I mean, there's things like, you know, uh, engagement and uh, even video screen, you know, video tracking that you can look at. Uh, but, but I think at least for me, the biggest learning that we can, that we look at is, well, what other search terms come up in that in that sort of stage in the funnel and what's related to those search terms in keyword planner or what are some, uh, in in Google keyword planner, that is what other search terms are related to those search terms from SEM rush or what are some, you know, um, or maybe what competitors are showing up for those words and what, what terms are those competitors actually advertising on or what products are those advertising for that? So, uh, so to answer your question, I think, you know, the, the customer side of it, that's a whole another level of learning that's uh, pretty powerful as well. But I think from the Google end of things, there's a lot of learning that just being done and looking at the data and saying, what else, you know, is up there in terms of ads? What else are people advertising? What is my competitor doing, um, uh, you know, from their ads, from their uh, targeting? How else can I position my ads? So we spend a lot, a lot of time on that element in terms of figuring out how, to, and we call it, so on our end, we call it sort of scaling horizontally and scaling vertically. So we, in order to grow those Google shopping campaigns, we try to find those related keywords and terms and products and 
Um, just to give an example of that, like um, we have a client that sells uh, gift baskets and uh, liquor gift baskets specifically. And, and uh, he, we started seeing all types of search terms related to mini liquor airport bottles or, or mini liquor bottles or mini liquor gift sets. And we went back to him and said, like, look, we're getting tons of search volume for this. We like we see this demand here. You don't have a product for that. Can you create a product? And he did. And now it's one of his best sellers. So you can sort of use that data to try to, to create new products, to go to find new opportunities in terms of keywords or find new competitors that you may have not thought of were competitors. But now you can start looking and seeing what they're doing and, and uh, trying to find new products. So I, you know, using the data in Google Ads, using the data in Keyword Planner or SEMrush or, uh, or even uh, Google Trends can be very, very helpful for product development and sort of expansion of your advertising. You know, this uh, might be the first time that it's occurred to me that how much uh, we understand the demand side of it, because Google and I know you, you talk about Bing too, these are search engines, and it's all demand based people aren't, I don't know, you don't search for supply as much as you search for demand. Uh, I do need to back up, though, because me personally, I, I don't know exactly what a uh, smart campaign is. My guess is that there is AI involved. And that Google itself is naturally doing uh, a lot of the a lot of the legwork to figure out on my behalf. Let's just say how, it's just so that I'm not like needlessly spending money, and then I get discouraged, and then I don't want to use the program at all. Right. Yes. So yes. So that, so that's that's a good place to start. So or that's a good question. Um, the the in Google Ads, okay, Google Ads name the platform. Within Google Ads, there's a campaign type or channel called Google Shopping, and that's if you just go do a search, and that's the images, the prices show up top. But there's two campaign uh, sort of settings for Google Shopping. One is the smart campaign, or the or the second is standard or manual uh, Google Shopping campaigns. You know, prior to the smart, everything was done manually. Everything was you know you just set it up and you just, it showed your ad for whatever. But what Google came out with is a smart campaign that says, look, we have a lot of indicators on what a customer is looking for, what they want to buy. So we'll just programmatically determine what you should spend per click in order to hopefully reach your return on ad spend goal. So you just say, look, I want to maximize the number of conversions, add a specific ROS, and they just go find the customers. Um, the, the benefit is it's a lot less work, right? It's, uh, however, there's a lot, a lot of negative side effects or a lot of issues for small to mid-sized advertisers because, right, you, it do, it's an AI software. So it requires you to spend a lot of money, requires you to have, you know, clearly if you're spending $50,000 a month and have 200,000 products, AI without a question is the best way. But like I said, if you're just selling that Garrett, Garrett metal detector or maybe five or 10 of those metal detectors, it, it, it's in your best interest to sort of look at the keywords and say, well, what are my best keywords? What are the terms that are most likely to get conversions and you know again you don't have thousands of thousands of dollars just to throw at it and let the ai take over so a, a, a standard or manual campaign can allow you to pinpoint those specific keywords um and so you know that's um you know there's debates in the industry of course of which one you know uh, everybody has their different opinion on the right strategy and, and the way to go but i would say you know back to your first question i think the the, the hopefully what everybody leaves with today is that it, it is good now what we're seeing is to try to maybe even run both and see, okay, depending on where you're at in your business, you can run a smart campaign, use Google's AI to go after top of funnel and cast a wide net. Um, or, or, or if you have lots of products, you can use that to try to find what product works, but then use the keyword targeted campaign or what we call KTC method or keyword targeted campaign method to target specific words that are most likely to convert because that will give you a whole bunch of data and allow you to to, to spend a lower amount per month or lower amount per, you know, to, to try to pinpoint those specific customers that would drive profitable sales today. So yeah, anyway, here's an example. Like there's a, a client, not to keep, <laughs> there's, a, there's a client. Um, uh, no, 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 I told art. you by all means go. Okay. <laughs> but, but I think examples are good because like, you know, she, she sold, she sold art and she's getting all Google set up her ads and she had a whole bunch of, uh, traffic. I think she spent like a thousand or twelve hundred dollars per month for three months, and she's she told me like she's like my, my best customers are people that know the artist's name, and I said, look, I'm sorry to tell you this, but ninety percent of your ad spend over the last three to four months were on generic top of funnel terms like wall art, office art, desk art. I said I'd rather you spend three to four or five hundred dollars a month 
just on people that search for the artist's name and and get profitable sales on that today, then you can sort of build and scale up. She's like, oh my gosh, that could make so much sense. I would save so much. I'm like, that's what, you know, that's, that's why you have to have the right strategy. That's, that's why it's good to sort of look at both stages in the funnel and determine where you're at. You know, if you're just getting started, maybe we're going to start at that bottom bottom funnel after the, and target the most profitable traffic. Or if you're in a real growth mode, maybe you want to try to really scale things up by going after more top of funnel with sort of smart campaigns. So um, definitely it's important to have the right strategy with Google shopping. And one thing that you, you've, you've been sharing a lot here, um, and this is like one of the core through lines that I explore on Ecomonics, which is how uh, agencies and services such as yourself, uh, because you're working with a lot of people, you're getting a lot of data, both from the clients directly, but also from the work that you're doing on their behalf, which can then be disseminated and then shared to the, hey, this is something I learned from uh, client A that I can share through clients B and C. So um, usually the question that I ask is, you know, what have you learned in aggregate? Um, that you can share with these people, but you, some of this you, you mentioned already, just with your, uh, just with the wall hangers. So, uh, oh, sorry, the hanging wall art. Um, what I would like to do is modify this question a little bit because what I'm wondering about is the, I guess the decay rate of data, where maybe trends are changing in consumer behavior, maybe um, some certain products. I know you've, I've seen some of your YouTube content, for instance, and I know that there's like a, a variance between say like what we do in the drop shipping realm, things are really hot and then all of a sudden they drop off. And so clearly there's some change in, in, in consumer interest. Uh, I know that strategically you tend to lean more towards you want custom, uh, you want your clients to be able to consistently sell, have consistent growth. Um, so let's just go product specific. Let's just say something is really popular and then all of a sudden it's, it, it just, it just fizzles out. And so all of your, you know, this, this is that at one point you could have told your clients about, but then all of a sudden now it stops. So what I'm wondering is how can you identify data that's no longer relevant? That's a good question. Uh, so instead of, instead of the data that's not relevant, I look at, um, back to the product example. So if you have a product that is not performing well or stops performing well, okay, there's um, what we tr- we think it's that data is relevant. We think it's important to look at that because I think the question is why is not is it not performing as well? And in some cases, it could be something very simple. In some cases, a little more complex. Um, but we, when we have products or campaigns that no longer work, um, it really comes back to a simple formula of return on ad spend and and how that math works for return on ad spend. And so. What we're typically looking at is what's the click-through rate, right? Did all of a sudden the click-through rate stop? Are people even stop clicking on my ads all of a sudden? Uh, and this happened used to happen quite a bit with AliExpress drop shipping. We'd have clients that would have a product from AliExpress and it would just crush it. It would, try, it would perform really, really on Google Shop and all of a sudden it stopped. And lo and behold, AliExpress started advertising on Google Google Shopping. That that same product would be advertising Google Shopping. So that would you know click-through rate would would plummet. So there's something going on in the ad. Uh, but sometimes we can see um, a drop in conversion rate, and the drop in conversion rate um, you know, is, is the issue when something stops working. And so maybe there's a new competitor, lower price, or maybe there's something going on where they have a different value proposition, like uh, a golf client had a competitor that was offering like a free mini digital course with their golf product, and it's like, oh. Gosh, we sort of yeah. If I was buying that golf product, I'd buy it from your competitor. I'm sorry, uh, you know. So there's a, there can be something like that uh, that comes up, uh, but but also the click through rate. So cl- oh, I'm sorry, uh, cost per click. So if cost per clicks really sort of spike up or scale up, that can be a little more complex, um, and you have to really sort of peel back some of the data on that. But I think for most of the audience here, just looking at the click through rate, right, a measurement of how many people see your ad versus how many people actually click. Right. Because if everything's good in your image and your and your price and everything was good, then they're going to want to click. But so if that sharply decreases or if your conversion rate start, sharply decreases, you know, look at your ad, look at your product, look at competitions to see what 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 can be changed there. Um, or, you know, or if you need to develop a new product, too, you know, sometimes, you know, we we even see that on Amazon is like, look, we, we have a product that just sort of starts start seeing a low click rate was well, because it, uh, the industry has changed what they like. Maybe they like that different wattage or different color better than what you expected or what used to sell well. Um, you know, just even making a slight change in your product, like it, for us on Amazon, it was changing our color temperature of our lights. Uh, 
we found out that people actually like that little bit lighter white and that's preferred. And it was a surprise. It's not, it wasn't expected. And, uh, but once we came out with that change in light, in, in, um, in light color, our sales really just continue to take off and grow. Um, people really like that light color. So just using that data, the click rate, conversion rate to, uh, to your benefit is, is really, really important. Uh, have you uh, encountered examples where the low click rate was actually the result of the marketing where maybe like the ad copy had gone on for too long or maybe the message was just not resonating the same way it had maybe it's like change of seasons or maybe certain certain holidays or anything along those lines like has before having to go so far as having to change a product or develop a new product which i suppose sellers should be excited about because that's why we're here at the end of the day but um have you seen examples where just changing the marketing has been helpful Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're actually running through that way right now with a client where his click-through rate is very, very low and he sells uh, car parts and, or car computers and things like that. And uh, his price is a little bit higher. And so we're, and his click-through rate is very low. So what we're trying to do, and his price is higher for a particular reason. There's a certain value proposition that he offers. And so we're actually going in and changing some of the, 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 the head, the text on the Google shopping headline to try to see if that can increase the click rate. So we're also looking at changing his image to see if maybe that image can communicate something a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I think looking at the image, the price and the title is your, is the biggest driver to the click rate. And there's things like stars and like promos that you can add on Google shopping. Um, but you know, looking at that, looking to see like maybe there's just a miss maybe your image just isn't that great or maybe your image isn't showing the product to the fullest or or um another example back to the, the metal detector if you were if your pr product was actually a bundled product but your image was just of that one metal detector well and you show them google shopping well yeah your click rate is gonna be low because you're actually selling a whole bundle of items which is real popular in the metal detector industry if you search for garrett metal detector you'll see a whole bunch of bundled items together um and so you know you, you're making sure your your ad is right your image is right your title's right um you know and because really you want to convince the customer to click on your ad um you know in 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 those cases i i didn't realize that by the way that there's like a metal detector uh beachcomber starter kit <laughs> Where maybe it <laughs> yeah, comes with like a, a little hey, human hats or something like that, like a whole like the whole metal detector <laughs> lifestyle. I I I, yeah. I I didn't try it, so I can't knock it. It's popular, I tell you what. There are so many people that buy metal detectors. It's crazy. I just can't believe it. But yeah, it's just. I mean, it, but think about it. Like if you were selling a Garrett metal detector, and you're at Matt Pricing with five other people, and then you came out and said, "Look, I'm going to bundle these five other things that I can buy super cheap and just raise my price maybe a couple bucks or ten bucks or twenty bucks." Who, you know, if you were new into the industry, who are you going to click on? Who are you going to buy? Right? You're going to click on that bundle deal because for 20 more bucks, I get all the stuff that I need, anyways, including mm -hmm. the the fancy hat. You know, it's uh, I mean, but that's you know that that's all part of it. And trying to figure out, okay, well, what you know, what image, what you know, what do I need to get that better click through rate and better conversion rate? That's that's the, that's the key. And that's something that I want to uh, hone in on here because when I um, before we we did the interview, I'm doing uh, you know my my usual prep. And one of the things I just wanted to do was, because I hadn't done this in a while, was just go onto Google Shopping and just see like, you know, what's the layout. And I mean that literally, like what's, you know, what's on the right hand side, what's on the, what's in the middle. And it strikes me as there are very few assets to use to really make a product stand out. Um, there are the images, there, there's a title. Um, so my first question is, you know, what am I, what am I missing? And overall, you know, what is, um, what are the tools that we, we can use to, make our product stand out. Um, and I just want to like, uh, add one more thing in there as like an asterisk, just to keep in mind is that, um, th this is Google, this is search. So this is about intent. We get, people are, I would say on average further down the funnel because they have already have an interest in something. Maybe they've been marketed to uh, in the past on, on Facebook. Uh, I haven't seen any metal detector ads lately, but I'm also not keeping my eyes out for it. And uh, until now, what strengths or what edge can somebody get, uh, you know, competing with, you know, companies that are bigger and you're literally side by side with them. Yeah. So, well, so there's a couple key points in there. I think one is, um, the, what can you do from leverage in terms of improving your Google shop and to get the best performance. But then two, I think really in terms of competition and competing against big companies, that's a, that's a big conversation in, in our industry, a big conversation here at Easton Digital. I mean, where we're, you know, our, our, you know, team here talks a lot about that. How can we 
beat this company because some of those big companies are tough because they can they can lose money in some advertising. Um, and so so, but I think the first part first, you know, in terms of what levers you have to pull, it's really your image that shows up in Google Shopping. It's your title and your price. Those are the three main ones. Now there's other little things in your data feed like description or like product attributes or size or colors, things like that. I'd say, you know, go ahead and you can sort of adjust those. But for most part, you know, 80, 20 rule, focus on those three, the price, title and image. Okay. Those are going to be big. So, you know, really just looking and saying, okay, what terms am I showing up for? What terms are not showing up for? What do I need to change in my image or my price or my title to get better to, to, to convince that customer to click on my ad, to convince, to get a good click through rate. So that's really what you're almost want to try to sell people to, to click on your ad. Now, the second part that's related to that though, is also using those three levers to help Google's algorithm show your product, right? So, it, you know, adjusting your title to include more keywords or, or adjusting your title for a different position in the funnel to, um, like uh, if you're selling that, that liquor gift basket example, like maybe you want to go after wedding favors, so you adjust your title to like wedding favor gift baskets, you know, things like that. So you can adjust that to go after the different points in the funnel. So the second part of your, your question, though, related to competing against big companies, and that, like I said, that's a very important topic. Um, really what we look at is, okay, how can we sort of outmarket? How can we outmaneuver out those big companies? Some of those big companies, they're just – Again, they have thousands of products. They're casting wide net. They're spending a ton. Uh, but you know, really, for a small to mid-sized shopping store, sometimes the opportunity is in those long-tail keywords, those long-tail terms. You know, um, that it, with your Google Shopping keyword-targeted campaign method, you can pinpoint those specific words, and so you can really put in the labor and time to find those long-tail keywords. And then say, okay, maybe that's a little bit less competitive. Maybe there's a little bit lower CPC, or maybe I can adjust my image or adjust my ad or just my uh, title to better compete with that long tail term. Give an example. Like if you're selling like car computer equipment or car equipment and your title specifically says, you know, Jeep, you know, 2006 Jeep Cherokee, uh, whatever, whatever, or, or part number, whatever, 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 you're more likely to get a a click through or get a click than someone just saying car computer equipment, right. Or, or, or some sort of generic, you know, term. So we look at the data feed and say, okay, well, what can we do to, to, um, put, you know, get that, find that long tail term, put that in our title to increase a click through rate, And what can we do to pinpoint that specific keyword? So it's, it's, it's more work. It certainly is more work for small to mid-sized businesses. But the point is to think smart, think, okay, well, what can I do at this granular level to get, you know, to better serve the customer, better work with Google's algorithm to get that click and um, ultimately drive profitable sales. So that, that's what we try to focus on for the small to mid-sized market. Yeah, I mean, everything has their place, right? And one thing that I will say as a, you know, to the credit of larger companies is that at the very least, they provide a safety net for the demand altogether. So if no one is selling the metal detectors and a company that can afford uh, the losses will sell the metal detectors. So at the very least, it gives, um, at the end of the day, like it does give the, the customers at least some semblance of, um, you know, my, my demands will be met. Um, but then we, we, we want to go past that and we say, well, we don't just want to meet your demands. We want to encourage a lifestyle. We want to provide additional value, uh, addition, you know, additional content, come to their website, join the community, you know, use this as a chance to elevate yourself as opposed to just buying the, the product um, uh, alone, which is the issue with the big companies. The other issue with big companies too, and you said this earlier, is that you know, they can just afford to, uh, to, to dump money, right? They can afford to fail. And you, I, and I hear that. And I remember some of my earlier research on some companies where like, they're just spending the money so that they can gain control of the, tar of the market. Once they gain control of the market, then the price is all up to them. So that in and of itself, it, it can be discouraging. But one thing I take away from this is that it really conditions the seller to be sharp and to be adaptive and to, uh, be able to react to what's going on as quickly as possible and will make a person a, a far better seller so that when they do scale up, they have the lessons that they learned that will influence the company.
I know we talked about your your keyword targeting strategy, but there was another one from your uh, from your uh, service, um, Eastern Digital. It's called OptiGrowth. Now, have you already characterized this, but you just didn't say OptiGrowth in specific, or did you say it and I already forgot? Because if so, sorry. But can you just explain what uh, what OptiGrowth is and you know how you implement it? Yeah, yeah. Did, did your research there? Congrats, to you. Awesome job. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I take so, great pride so, in some that. Of this- <laughs> so yeah, so some of this stuff is a little bit behind the scenes for how we do things and like more advanced accounts. So what we, we have internal tools that we use, we call it OptiGrowth. And um, where with our internal tools, what we have, you know, it's sort of automate some of the bid adjustments and changes and tweaks. And it, it, it's basically a rules-based AI that, that uh, assists us in managing the counts to get the best performance. And it does things like we'll take screenshots of the Google uh, ad position to track that. Like even that Garrett Mountain's example, like, well, that's your home run term. Well, like I want to show up for that term. Like, you know, let's take screenshots of it, you know, daily and see, okay, well, where's my ad? Is my ad still showing up in position one, position two, do I have multiple ads showing? And so it's a internal tool that we use to help us manage some of the uh, advanced accounts. But, uh, but certainly if you're just getting started, you don't need those advanced tools. I, I think, you know, back to your, your, your point about demand side, Google shopping is, is very much a sort of demand side, you know, marketing channel where, you know, their your customers are going to Google and specifically looking for that product or using that specific keyword or search query or search term on Google to find it. And then, so it's very simple. So, you, you know, unlike Facebook, there's no guesswork. You just, you search for that yourself on Google and say, look, does it make sense for my ad to show up here? Like if, if, if uh, I was my customer, would I want to click on my own ad and buy from me? If so, then great. Google shopping can be a great source of traffic for you. So uh, a lot of people, you know, just to start out and spend a few hundred bucks a month on Google shopping, uh, just starting out, you can sort of do that, you know, using the keyword target campaign strategy and smart campaign strategy to, uh, you know, really, really effectively. And so it's not until you start spending you know, 5,000, 10,000, you know, we have some clients spending $75,000 a month where now you really need those advanced tools to, to really sort of, you know, get the most out of Google shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fairness, as you say that your, uh, that your company leans to, um, small and mid-sized businesses and small is still some, there is some, some element of operation to it. I mean, there's, there are terms that are smaller than small. Like there's like incubatory businesses, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's conceptual businesses. There's, oh, there's, there's yeah. loads of businesses that don't exist yet that we all have in our heads. So there are yeah. um, uh, levels to that. But I, you know, we, we come from a position of inspiration and we always want to encourage, uh, uh, you know, listeners to uh, swing for the fences because, there are only so many ways that we can become f- more free than we are now. And, and I really believe that, you know, e-commerce is, I mean, it's certainly the, one of the most fair, I think, you know, if, if you get big, it's there for you. If you're small, there are still options. Um, so f- with, uh, with working with you, you know, what's point in a, in a potential client's journey would they be at before reaching out to you would be uh, on the, on the table? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so really for, us or, or really for any agency. I mean, just for, for any agency, you generally want to think of an agency as like, um, as, as in two ways, either one to help you do something that you don't want to spend the time yourself for doing, or you don't want to sort of help you, or you don't want to do it yourself or don't want to learn it yourself, whatever. Okay. So an agency can come in and help you do that. Um, or like, look, you're getting it going. Now you need to really throw gasoline on the fire and really sort of accelerate growth. Um, that's sort of the second style you'd want to use an agency. So for us, yes, we have some clients that, um, will come to us and maybe they're spending, you know, a thousand or 500 or $700 a month. And they're like, look, I just want, I want someone to set up for me to just do it. Okay. So we have some packages for that. Uh, and then we have other clients that come to us and say like, look, I want, um, you know, to, I'm spending a few thousand dollars a month or 5,000 or $20,000 a month. And I really want to scale things up. Or in some cases, if even if you're spending like twenty thousand dollars on Facebook and you want to sort of expand into Google, that can be a pretty quick, you know, in terms of scale uh, approach. But in that case, is great. We have a another sort of package available for that. Um, but in all cases, I think you know whether you look at an agency like us or look at uh, you know any other agency, you, you know, you want to sort of think of like what's going to save me, um, you know, time and effort, and and or what's the sort of fuel on the fire. Um, but, but in, in all cases, you really have to think about the ROI. Okay. I see some agencies that want to charge thousands of dollars a month and set up fees and all types of stuff. It's crazy. And you're not, you know, seeing ROI on that is crazy. So that's why, you know, just as a side note, I mean, we're performance based. So 
our monthly management fee is, you know, starts at two ninety nine a month plus two uh, percent of the sales that we drive. So, um, I, I think, you know, like I said, you want to think about are you getting an ROI for the time, right? How much time would it st- require you to set it up and learn it to figure it out or or make mistakes versus, you know, how much, you know, is, is that scale approach? Is, are you able to, to, you know, justify the additional agency fee to really scale it up? So I think that's re- what's most important. So um, yes, we have some clients that sort of will spend, like I said, between that 500,000 and then we have some clients that spend a lot, lot more than that. But I think it's uh, it's all uh, what's going to give you the ROI. What's going to be the fastest path to the ROI? That's what's important to focus on. Mm-hmm. And, and and I just wanted to say that um, oh, I, I I do have a great respect for the I guess the percent commission structure. I don't know the exact term for it, but the fact that you know your success is really tied to the uh, <laughs> to the to the client success, and it just reminds me of like. You know, when we're when we care about what we do, this is something that's just inherent, right? When I, uh, for doing this, and I was doing a lot of freelancing, uh, and I would edit content for people, I didn't have a commission structure; it was just flat rate. But I did everything I could think of to to make the shows uh, succeed because I wanted to keep the job. Like, I, I, yeah, and I and I didn't yeah. want to feel bad about taking client money um, just so that they can flounder for a while and then feel kind of like burned on all of it. So yeah, I just had a had a lot of respect for that. Yeah, no, thanks. It, that, and that's that has a lot to do with the small and mid-sized, you know, Shopify owners because that that's the feedback. I mean, we used to charge like a thousand, two thousand, you know, three thousand retainer fee each month. But but there's a lot of small businesses that just like it does it like you know they're not sure exactly where to start. They're not sure the best path or or what they can afford, what they can do. And it's like, well, they don't. It doesn't make sense for them to lay out a thousand or two thousand dollars a month. They, they you know it makes sense to start small. Like we always say, dip your toes in the water get some profitable sales today and then start building, expanding on that. So, um, and so we like to see people take a nice, slow, steady approach and then build it up. And, and that's why we had to come out with the 299 plus 2% because it's just, it, it's the right thing to do. I mean, you know, we don't make any money at 299 for us. It's about partnering with them, getting them on the right track and then they can sort of, you know, grow. And we've had some clients that just grow like crazy. And those are the, you know, that's the big wins. That's the, the, the beneficial story for us and for them, because when we grow them like that, they stick around for a long, long, long time. Um, and so that's, you know, we're, we just said like, look, we're going to take some risk on, we're going to do it ourselves. I, I know we got to get you on out of here in a very short amount of time. So I've got one more question that I would like to know. This is yeah. just like a personal question just about you, uh, which is, I know that you have a background in engineering. Um, I don't know specifically like those like bridge building or like, um, pretty close, pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's a two-parter. So what got you into uh, e-commerce from that point? And then were there any core skills that you picked up in engineering that uh, came with you into your uh, your e-commerce uh, career? Oh man, I could talk about this all day long. So just, uh, uh, but no, I, so I am actually, <laughs> I, I'm a civil engineer. So I'm a civil engineer. So I actually worked on uh, like roadways and land development type projects, not bridges. Although I started my career in working on bridges, but I mostly worked on like land development projects. Uh, but what got me into e-commerce was I was in, uh, in the MBA program at Ohio State and and just you know studying all things business and uh, some big companies came in and said like look we've got a big problem in the market in terms of marketing we've got fluff marketers or marketers that know marketing concepts and principles they don't know the technical side and then we've got developers and sort of technical people that know the technical side but we don't know people that we don't have people that know the the GUI analytics or know uh, pivot tables and can run Excel reports from Google Analytics from Google Ads data and find those opportunities in the data. That's the big opportunity over the next you know ten years. And uh, you know so they were sort of co- you know convincing a whole bunch of us marketing students to do that. And immediately I fell in love. I'm like I love data, I love numbers, love Excel, pivot tables, all that stuff. And so where can I use that? And uh, and that's sort of what led me to e-commerce. And so I did uh, I. Took a job at a local agency that sort of specialized in large, like Fortune 500 type retailers, and very quickly was like, okay, the pro- the big gap in the market is a small to mid size. They don't have any reliable that they can trust, work with, and provide good quality strategies at a reasonable price. And and so that's that's the market. I was like, okay, pretty quickly, I just I said I'm going to take on some of my own clients and started doing my own clients. And this was back in 2013, and then. Just literally word of mouth, just kept, I kept getting more and more and more clients. And uh, it's just, you know, it's just amazing. I think this e commerce community is great. Just it's a small, tight knit community. And, you know, um, I mean, I'm not a marketing person. I mean, we, you know, we just, uh, you know, we just, we just, 
do good work and people just keep referring uh, clients to us. And so that's how we've grown. We are now a you know, team of nine. And so um, and 90% of what we do is Google shopping and Bing shopping. And that's for small to mid-sized shopping stores. And that's what we do all day long. So that's our specialization. Uh, that's how I got into it. So <laughs> sort of by accident, but it's, it's, uh, I like it. It's definitely different than engineering. So, well, I, you know, I, I always say it's good to have you here and I, and I, and I, and I yeah. mean it, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of good for, for a lot of people who, uh, you know, can definitely, uh, use some people that they can really trust. So, uh, so for that, you know, uh, congratulations on, uh, everything you've done so far and, um, we're going to get you on out of here. So the, the last thing to, to do and say is if you have any last words of wisdom, you're welcome to share it. Uh, and then let people know how they can find you. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think words of wisdom, I think just getting started. I think it, like, you know, do that dip of the toe of the water, just get started. Like it's so important for, you know, people just to get started and get some data, get some, you know, because as you start going, you'll start figuring and learning things out more and more. And so um, I really recommend, you know, setting up a Google shopping campaign or, or any, any type of marketing, just getting started and doing something. You can be amazed at how things can just start snowballing. And we see it all the times with Google shopping. We see, you know, a couple months in or three months in some product iterations or website changes or, or, um, or Facebook retargeting campaigns get launched or SMS marketing get launched. And then all of a sudden things just start taking off. I mean, it's just, it's amazing um, how in e-commerce things can just really start snowballing and, and working. And so I uh, really recommend that. And then in terms of finding me, um, the easiest way to, to find me, I mean, you, of course, if anybody has any questions, they can email me just at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at EastonDigital.com. Or you can visit our website, uh, EastonDigital.com, uh, E-A-S-T-O-N. It's E-A-S-T-O-N, Digital.com. And I'd be happy to connect there. Or you can check me out on YouTube. I've got lots of... I, Lots of free content, lots of strategies and opinions and ideas that I have. I just upload to YouTube or, or our Facebook page. So uh, you can check us out there as well. Awesome. Uh, once again, uh, it's, uh, it's been great to have you. This has been uh, a lot of fun. Definitely uh, putting a lot of pieces together in my head. Uh, and so listeners, I certainly hope the same for you. And of all the other takeaways, I learned that I actually have a pause button on Zencaster. So I probably could have utilized that today. But we're just going to move on. Hey, it's fun. It's good. It's, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Love being part of this community. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, same here. All right, listeners, take care. We'll check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.